recording. Yay, Here recording. we are again. Yep, May episode. Woo! Uh, well, this is episode nine. nine. My God, nine! I know. That's nuts. I know. I know. Um, and we're Witchy Bites. Hello, we're Witchy Bites. We are. I'm Henny, <laughs> and I'm Liz. And we were thinking that this month we would talk about the seasons and the summer, summer heavens. Summer. Yeah, that's wrong. No, Southern. it's not summer anywhere. Dang. Not yet. Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> yes. We are almost at the end of autumn. It's May, so it's cold down here and it's getting all nice and warm up in the north yeah. into spring. So we thought we'd chatter about basically our own, well, I suppose almost like our own take on what we do seasonally. That's right. Really? That's um, right. Yeah. Mm. So we've got we've both we've both got different projects underway regarding that. You're you're much further through than I am with mine. <laughs> do we want to talk about what we've been doing recently first or Sure. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. What have I been doing recently? At the moment Actually, at the moment, I haven't been very well, so I've mostly been focusing on doing different things to keep myself healthier. And no, I don't have anything virus-related. <laughs> Just to make that really clear. Clarification. <laughs> yeah, this isn't this isn't that kind of illness. Um, so, yeah, I've just been a bit unwell, so I've been trying to focus on being healthy and, you know, just taking care of myself. I've been, um, I've done a, I suppose I've had a couple of baths over the last few days and I've been doing like meditations and trying to focus on being well and, and just, I suppose a bit conserving my energy, that kind of thing. So that's been what I, I haven't done anything real seasonally recently because I've been focusing more on that. I have had like a few bouts of depression lately, like I've been quite down, but I have found that in that I have had a few interesting experiences with it. I've seen a few new interesting little creatures out in my garden. So I was out one evening and I saw almost like a dog, a kind of large dog creature that lived in one of my bushes. Ooh. So I've been trying to go out and, and see who that is and talk to them. And Do you just... have any clarification on who they are? No. I was really, like, I was actually in, like, it was quite, it was really interesting because I went out and I was feeling quite down at that time. But I went and stood out just, like, I think I've said before on the podcast, I'm, like, suburban, you know, I'm, we're near the bush but we're not particularly, but there's just houses around. And I went out and I just sort of stood out under the rising, almost full moon, like it wasn't too long ago from when we were recording. And I stood out and I was like, oh, you know, I just felt really down and I was just, yeah, not not in a really good space. And my little grey cat was there and she was running around. and But she was really running around. She's really excited. I was outside with her or, I don't know, like she just was running around and she was like really jumping and hopping and being really oddly excited for her she's quite sedate normally and just walks along and a little bit she's a little bit timid but to that night she was really excited she rushed over and sharpening her claws on this branch that we have for her and then she was like really bouncing around I just sort of looked up because I was like she's acting really strangely and I looked up and into this line of bushes that are at the edge of our yard and there was a really big happy almost dog face like looking back at me and I saw it really really clearly and I've never seen it there before and I was like oh you've you've been you're there this creature was there quite a large like our bushes these bushes are really tall how tall would you say they are about the ones right up the front you know like oh maybe two meters yeah so what's that like over six seven feet kind of thing like yeah. I'm not sure at yeah. the conversion, but yeah, about two meters. So people in the north, yes, convert. 
<laughs> so they're not they're not small but like this this big dog face was right like there like it was a real green man-esque animal-esque face just in the bushes like looking down at me and like he was kind of and I thought he was a he he was kind of troubled that I was not happy yeah but also he was showing himself to me because I was unhappy because I was in that depressed state and it was interesting because I felt really open because it was kind of like my own emotion had flattened down and gotten out of the way and it was very it was really it's an odd, odd experience. So I've been trying to process that over the past couple of days and to find out who the dog-faced greeny man was. But I haven't I haven't been able to, since my mood has improved, oddly enough, it's like my own emotions get in the way and I can't quite contact him again. So that's been my big witchy thing for the past couple of days, trying to, to, to contact him. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. That's so interesting. So, yes, I've been unwell, but I've had had some interesting experiences with it. Yeah. Oh, Mm. wow. It'll be interesting to see what happens and you'll have to update us when you – if there's anything to update. Yeah. (laughs) I'd like to. He seemed – he was very concerned and he was a very protective kind of spirit. And, yeah, I felt felt good. Like I felt – I actually felt that – that that warmth and his concern I suppose and yeah yeah and I was just like wow you've been there a long time and I've never noticed uh, sorry but your kitty noticed <laughs> oh the kitty did and he liked, she liked him so that was that was interesting because she doesn't yeah. like anybody else much she's very timid <laughs> mm. oh well that's I'm glad you're feeling better that oh, um... yeah me too me too yeah. So what about you? Yeah. What have you been doing? There's been a full moon um, and... Witchy-wise, I did something for Soween. Mm-hmm. Something at my... Well, I actually went into the lounge room and, and did it on the mantelpiece and... You've got a nice I, big mantelpiece. That's nice. I, yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really, really <laughs> do. I was thinking about getting wine for um, uh, as an offering and... I don't know who it was, but someone in my family really wanted gin. I just kept getting gin popped in my head, gin. And I'm like, I'm going to go get wine, gin. And it was like, <laughs> I'd go, I went to the study to get like, you know, some incense and stuff. And it was like gin. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll go get the gin. So I went and got the that, gin. And that is hilarious. I just imagine some. like, no more requests. It was like, yeah, we're done now. <laughs> I just imagine some older auntie, like great, great auntie, because I know some of mine were really fond of gin, just like standing next to this little old lady going, gin, gin, Liz, gin, it was, it was come like, on, I was like, get the gin. Where's my gin? Gin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you want to. <laughs> they really wanted gin. And I don't like gin. So like when I did the offering to them and I was like, okay, I'll have a little bit just, you know, as like a drink together. Yeah, symbolically. And I was like, oh my God. And they were like, yeah, the gin. Oh, that's and hilarious. Like, I love it. Oh. <laughs> that's quite funny. But anyway, so that was, that was that very was interesting. It, it was very good of you <laughs> to get the gin and to even have a little bit when you didn't like it. That's, that's yeah. yeah. I then they, opened the wine and I had a glass of wine. I was like, I can't see gin. I'm like sorry. A tiny bit of gin and it's like guzzling wine. <laughs> I feel better now. Just give me wine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was interesting. It was probably my favourite part of the ritual. Actually, was the pre-ritual. <laughs> that is fantastic, Jin. Um, oh, um, I have yeah. some I have some news to tell you. Just oh, an what? interesting tidbit. If anyone in the wider world is interested, there's a website called Scribed, which is an ebook and audio book, and like there's magazines. Um, they have about a thousand books from Llewellyn on there. Oh, so they have lots of magic books, Ooh. and witchy and, and pagany and and like the latest releases from Llewellyn. So, so is it a um, subscription? It is a subscription, if you would Ooh. like, if you're interested. But they just have so many, so many pagany books. So, if anyone in the wider world, this is not paid for. 
This is not a paid ad of any kind. I am not sponsored. I still have to pay for this product. Like I think it's about 14 bucks Australian a month. People can self-publish if they wanted so they can upload PDFs. I have found things that are obviously, here's the librarian coming out, I have found things that are obviously um, infringing copyright. On, oh, they're going to get taken down. So they'll get taken down and authors can also, like you can create an account and self-publish if you wanted. So there might be some really interesting things that way. Mm-hmm. I know that's Llewellyn at the be-all and end-all but and we're all in lockdown now. So to me it was great. There might be other services out there. Please let me know because I'm a sucker for these kinds of things. I have a million <laughs> different like streaming online services that I love. I actually found it because I was hoping to find, we were talking about that, uh, uh, I can't pronounce what it's called, the Hecate Eon. Oh, yeah, the one that we both want to read that's yeah, Yeah. Well, they only made 650 copies. I think you did tell me that. Anyway, Mm -hmm. that's fine. So I found it through that because there were bits and pieces about Hecate on linked through my search to this scribed and I was like oh that's interesting and then I just put in like witchcraft and like hundreds of books came up and I was like hmm, subscribe um okay so who wants to go first um I think you should go first because I could possibly have much less to talk, to talk about okay if you're sure yeah. all right mm. um I guess um to Pre, pre preface, preface. yeah, preface <laughs> to preface. Um, <laughs> we are um, so being in the southern hemisphere, we do um, switch the seasons, so yeah, we do celebrate in accordance to our seasons. So mm. at the moment, it's autumn heading into winter, and so we're if you're looking at the sort of eight festivals, we flip them to make them fit mm. and we start we started out like we were, we just flipped it like when you and I both started we just flipped them around completely like there was no tinkering at all we just changed them around by six months and the seasons of course still work we still have summer autumn winter and spring it's just that mm. they look differently yep so I kind of ended up creating my own wheel Mm. Um, which I guess I'm going to just talk very briefly about, but I actually want to talk more about how to make your own will. Cool. I really thought about things that mattered to me, like animals in the environment and plants in the environment and started like researching them. Like I already had some observations just from living here and noticing when things were in bloom and noting them down and that kind of thing. But then actually knowing why things happen and how they happen kind of helps. Yeah. One of the things that I did, which you can do too, is that I um, went to ePrints or the Open Access Repository at the University of Tasmania. So they have a lot of um, theses that um, PhD students have written open access and they have zoology and botany and geology and those kinds of departments. And Mm. so you can actually find out a lot of information about life cycles and when they happen in seasons and things like that. So that's kind of where I've really started. Mm-hmm. And really, um, of course, for me, that's a huge heavy bent because I did major in zoology. So yeah. that certainly features heavily in my will. Mm. Um, so I looked at those kinds of things. The other thing that you can do, I guess I'm just going to start with the doing your own will <laughs> and yeah. how I've done my own will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the next thing I did was I, I went to the Bureau of um, Meteorology or BOM, BOM mm. as it affectionately is called, and I just sort of started looking at weather patterns, uh, rainfall, um, wind, all that kind of stuff that happens within my location. So I just chose the closest station to where I live and checked that out um, and – you know, and I actually graphed it because I'm a weirdo like that. Like I had to sit down and graph it and see it visually. Yeah. <laughs> Could see where the peak rains were and when the coldest weather is and when we're likely to experience frost. Um, and because I live in a valley. Yeah, it's a little different, I, I suppose. 
it is a little different. I get more fog and um, mm-hmm. uh, more frost and things like that. So that kind of impacts on my wheel as well, which would might be different to yours, say, mm. which would be outside of that. The other thing that's really good on BOM is they actually have um, the Indigenous seasons for various locations around Australia listed. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, they used to have Tasmania's on there. So when I first started doing this process, which was a few years ago, um, Tasmania was on there, but it's since been removed. But mainland Australia is on there. So that's, I guess, interesting. And it is only a few locations because some of that information has been lost. The Tasmanian stuff can actually be found in e-prints. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you want to know right. the Tasmanian yeah. seasons? They're in e-prints. <laughs> which um, is open to everyone. Yeah. Is open to everyone, as you said, yeah. Universities all around Australia will have it. So if you're in New South Wales, you might want to look at the University of Sydney, for yeah, example. Yeah, they do They do have a lot of their stuff, like universities in general, just have a lot of their stuff open for people to look at. Not everything, but, yeah, a lot of stuff for your basic research with this kind of thing if you wanted to look. Mm. So one of the things about Tasmania in particular, I imagine mainland Australia would be the same, is that a lot of our animals breed all year. So they might have peak periods. So you don't Mm. really have those really strong seasonal correlations. Like, um, yeah, like a lot of animals are born in spring, which would fit very nicely with involved, you know, that kind of thing. But they are technically born all year. Mm. Um, So it really comes down to some really key species that might help you identify those changes in the season. Mm. Um, so one of the really interesting things about echidnas is that they um, respond to the shortening of daylight. Ah. So they're actually, like, most of them are in hibernation now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they will start coming out of hibernation just before the winter solstice, like the week before the winter solstice. The male echidnas start emerging just before the winter solstice and then the females come out a little bit later. So Okay. Again, it's not an exact science, but you do have this very clear, you know, echidnas will come out for, around the winter solstice. Yeah, for you, basically. Yeah, yeah. If you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that that's a really, um, a really good Australian symbol to have incorporate in our will. Because, like, mm. what would we, what are we celebrating? We tend to celebrate, like, holly and I'm trying to think what else is out it. <laughs> Winter Spanish heat, but a weed. It's the Christmas. So Yule's all the Christmas stuff in the Northern Hemisphere. So it's all evergreens and fat men and red suits. Yeah, we do have those plants here. We do. But we also have our own native, you Mm. know, local environment stuff that we can look at. Mm. Um, Another really good symbol that I found is like the migratory birds. Yeah. They obviously are a great symbol for what's going on in your environment that you can keep mm. an eye out for. So at the moment, um, shearwaters, the oh, poor waters. little baby shearwaters are migrating for the first time. Juvenile shearwaters. Um, they're not very – they actually – They're not very smart. They crash land a <laughs> lot. We've rescued one. They haven't had practice. <laughs> yeah. They're, and they're quite – by this stage, they're, you know, biggish. I would say, of course, slightly yeah. bigger bird. We've rescued, yeah. we've re- re-rescued one a couple of years ago, and it it pecked me badly. But I did think it was dead, <laughs> but it wasn't. So yeah, I have a soft spot for the poor, stupid baby shearwaters. I love them. The mamas and the papas they leave in April. Mm-hmm. They migrate in April, and then the babies are ready to migrate. Like they've got all their feathers properly developed and can go in May, and they only have a short window to go because they yeah. rely on the may winds yeah so you know you kind of start to see again that extra you know we're talking descent and things leaving mm. and um so then you do have that sewing symbolism it's just a more localized view yeah it's just a bit different of, yeah mm. so like looking at those kinds of things um uh, i find help determine what's in my tree in my mm. tree wheel in my <laughs> wheel and of course we talk about the north of vegas gun eye yes um with the changing leaves we've got the waratah around christmas that beautiful november december red flowers um 
you've got the wattle species. You know, we have these really key plants like wattle, like little tiny suns around yeah. in bulk. Like, you That's know, so it's true. Just, we have these things. It's just that they might have a different feel and a different relationship with the season. But they still really fit. Like it's 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 they not do. it's not really much of a stretch to to no, they just, relate what the bright yellow bit variants of the wattle to yeah. to the sun, you know. And at that time of year. They come out at slightly different times each year and of course like mm. we tend to celebrate on a man made calendar rather yeah. than a seasonal calendar of observations I think so. but I mean that's the thing like originally these celebrations and these observations like exactly as you're doing like that's how it would have started yeah. so in one area yes you know in bog was this time because they noticed this thing but for the north or south it would be a little different because yeah. that thing would happen earlier or later if it's say a tree maybe not for in bog but you know if the symbolism that they put into that celebration at that time was you know happened earlier or later well then it happened earlier or later so one of the things with tassie is that um like the indigenous populations had three seasons for us they only had three um, okay yeah and um one of the symbols for them was when um the australian blackwood would flower okay um, that was a symbol that spring had started. So mm -hmm. because that would mean that the swans had turned up and were starting to lay their eggs. So there was that food source and mm. that kind of thing. So, you know, those those symbols have been celebrated and, yeah. well, not celebrated, but identified. And mm. yeah. So then the next thing that I that I think is a good thing to do if you're creating your own wheel is to add like the local festivals and holidays in as well. Like, um, mm. like dark mofo in Hobart is the winter festival. Not um, this year though. I just realized how bad, yeah, not this year. <laughs> that sounds, if you don't know what mofo stands for in this context. <laughs> it's an arts festival. Yeah. I know dark mofo anyway. is just, cause it was dark monophoma or something. And then everyone's like, Dark Mofo. And then it just stuck. And then it stuck. And then they changed it officially, I think. Oh, okay. We tas it. <laughs> we made it a, a naughty word. We did because it was funny and we do those things. Okay. Um, Focusing again. And the, yeah, no, it's fine. Um, and then other festivals like for, like there's the Hue and Midwinter Festival. Um, mm. Latrobe has a chocolate festival, which mm. is... They do. Let's make that part of your wheel somehow. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then you've got like the holidays like Anzac Day or um, I think one of the things that, that can be hard is to actually notice the changes. So picking things that you can easily observe is really, really hard. Yeah. Um, one of my benefits is that I volunteer as a rescuer for Bonorong. So I see the text messages coming through for injured and wildlife which sounds awful but like the she waters are crash landing at the moment because they are don't stupid. know how to fly properly yeah they're not <laughs> they don't know they're young they just don't know they just don't <laughs> they're know learning. They, but they only have a few weeks to do it though yeah so um, they're desperate they're properly hydrated yeah. or fed up properly you know they need a bit of extra help mm. um so i see those things so i can see those symbols coming through and mm. like often when the echidnas start unfortunately waking up they get hit on the car by cars on the road and I see that and mm. all dogs attack them so like I do actually see those symbols in a secondary way rather than just what I observe in my environment yeah like it's right in your face you're getting text messages every day and it's like oh I've got another echidna another well hopefully not but you know we've had three echidnas this week or you know four shear orders or whatever so it's really obvious to you straight away um, Bonarong, the local rescue group, they they um, have been sending out messages going, we have a really rare species for you. It's another shearwater. <laughs> and I mean, like, um, I, I've i seen one in the wild. It was, yeah, no, it was still wild. So, you know, it's not. it crash landed. It crash landed on the beach and then it pecked me. But moving on. Um, I'm not bitter. Um, so, I, like, it's not something that. 
I see all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's you'd have to – I would say for someone who – like I'm an urbanite. I live in the suburbs. So I'd have to do some research to know – the timing and the symbolism to begin with and then I could probably observe some things but not everything but even Mm -hmm. to me like I would still find knowing that this bird is migrating at the moment the symbolism would still work for me but I think so I think um even just knowing what's going on in your area even if you don't have the chance to observe it is still would be really good like it'd be worthy it's a worthwhile exercise I suppose is all I'm saying it helps you create a relationship with the land that you're in and the relationship with place Mm. and it helps you really build upon that and um understand where you're living and the energy of the place and all those kinds of things so um I think it's actually fundamental in some ways to do this like yeah, yeah. I suppose my point was for people who, you know, are really urban or suburban or even like high mm-hmm. rise, that kind of thing, it's still mm-hmm. worthwhile because you may not be mm-hmm. able to directly observe it at all. But yeah, it still develops, it still fosters, as you were saying, that connection with the place yeah. that you're in. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, you might not have a gum tree out on your balcony, but it would definitely still <laughs> be something that... That would be impressive. That would be impressive. If you have, if you do have a gum tree on your balcony, send us pictures, um, especially a full-grown one, you know, like how many feet tall. Um, and now someone will be cheeky and send in, this is a, this is a dwarf, a dwarf variety of eucalyptus. And I'll be like, yeah, be quiet. It's late. I'm tired. Um, the point is, though, like, yes, it may sound like a bit of work, but I think – it's a lot of work. It's a lot. It is a lot of work, and being able to observe yeah. yourself obviously would be great. But don't be put off by it seeming like this big thing and this big sort of vague area. Like, what's happening in my environment? I don't notice. Therefore, I can't do it. It's like, well, just mm. look in your area, and even just like, because as you were talking, I was thinking, I'd like my seasons to be based around birds because I just really like birds. And yeah. you said about the migratory birds, and I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that that sparks my interest. So I'd start with birds. You and know. birds are really good because that you do have, like, your migratory, migratory birds that do travel long distances, but you also mm. have the ones that travel between the lowland and the highlands. Yep. Um, and so, like, birds are a really great symbol for it. And they're pretty, um, they're pretty good with their timekeeping. Welcome swallows. Oh, they were late this year. Yeah. <laughs> I was so sad when the welcome swallows hadn't turned up yet. <laughs> and that's the thing, like even... I was waiting. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We had... We, there's some down at... Like this little, a little local shop. They have swallows that come every year and mm-hmm. they nest mm-hmm. up in the top and... Like I in, love it. Yeah. And there's little babies every year and they poop on you if you get too close. But um, they do. They poop out. Yeah, they poop out of their nests. They're good, good, clean babies. Um, but that was my going to be my next point. You, there are. We do have introduced species, and we do have some of the European species here. And even me, Mm -hmm. you know, just with my little suburban garden, I now recognise the birds, the bird calls that are there. It's like, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. getting close to spring because I hear this particular call or. Like recently I've noticed that some of the birds have gone, you know, quite – they stayed a bit longer than normal. I, I know their calls, but I, I'll have to look up what they are. So I've noticed they've they've gone and they went later this year. They didn't move on as quickly because it's been warmer. But now they've really gone. I'm like, yes, it's, it's getting down to the late autumn, winter because they've all gone now. They're not out in the morning calling outside my window and being really noisy. And it's much quieter in the mornings mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. it's a small observation, but they run like clockwork every year. They're a little bit different time now because the, the things obviously are different for them because they're not running as well as they used to. They're staying a bit later and coming back a bit earlier. And you don't just have to use observation. You can also use meditation. Mm-hmm. So like... 
if you really are unable to see these things or you're even if you can see these things, because yeah. again, they vary year to year and they're always outliers and stuff. Um, to sit and meditate on this, on the whole idea of what's in your area and what it means. Like um, a really big symbolism of the Huon Valley is apples. Mm. And I have this theory that the Huon Valley is um, a connection to the underworld Um and the whole idea of like Avalon being a connection to the underworld, you know, like that whole apple symbolism. And I think when I feel the environment, I can see that as being quite, quite accurate. So, mm. and again, that is a Northern hemisphere idea that I can feel here um, in my own space. So mm. it's not like it's invalid. It's just, you know, have like think about it and meditate on it and see what it is. I guess if you really wanted to start reading a reading about how to connect to your environment, there's um, a book called Circle of Eight, which I've talked about before by Jane Meredith, um, which talks about make uh, your own fitting your own will into the circle of eight and um, finding your own like associations and it could be powerful places that you go to and to celebrate. Mm. And so you kind of start to build up your own customs as you're going along and um, you make your own rituals and your own ideas of offerings around that. Like, um, I have a relationship with the Huon River, so at some of the festivals I go and give an offering to the river. Or, and it's really hard to put into words how much that has enhanced my spirituality mm. with where I live. Um, but it's it is a lot of work. It is really hard. It is. It's, it's it can feel overwhelming at times as to what what your will looks like. I don't know, like pick fruit, pick fruit that you know grows in your area and yeah. and look at their life cycle. Like cherries, December for us, you know, although yeah. they were a month late this year. <laughs> then they got <laughs> you know, fired so that, on. <laughs> yeah, it was not it, it was, was not really a good bad year. year for cherries. It this was. Year. <laughs> Yeah, just look at your own environment. And yeah, just... pick something you're interested in, like I said, with the birds. I look at yeah. the birds in my area because they interest me as a, a starting point. And it doesn't have to be – it doesn't have to be complex. Yeah, I think that's a really great idea. Mm. The thing is our seasons do change quite regularly, mm. just whether we are in an El Nino or La Nina event. So. Yeah. You know, so we have drier seasons and then we have wetter seasons because mm. of the temperatures of the ocean. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, it's a guide. Mm. But generally these things tend to be like, you might have a drought yeah. in the summer, which is obviously a challenge, especially was for the mainland yeah. this year. It is part of what makes this country what it is. and. Yeah. And it does change the way that the season is represented, even if it is similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think that might just even, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere or in other places, like, yes, you've had these, a shadow of these kinds of celebrations happening for possibly a really long time, but they, it might not work anymore. And that's the thing. It's like it's your personal relationship mm. with the space that you're in. Mm. One of the things I would say that I found a really strong contrast from when I was living in the Northern Hemisphere to here mm. was, again, it's it's a place thing, but yeah. in winter, it like when people say everything is dead, it is like everything's dead. Everything the grass is, dead. is brown. Yes, it is. The It's so bloody cold yes um it's cloudy every day like yes. we still have sunny days oh yeah in winter um it was um like it really did feel like the air was dry my hair was brittle from the dryness like it was my hair was dry we mm. don't have that here in no winter. we don't we have it's green yep. it's wet it's bright it's sunny it's cloudy but and we have lots of rain, but we have sunny days. Very, and very. And it's not as oppressive. No. 
even um, I can relate to so, that from when I visited. So the la- I went to Europe yeah. for a few months and the last month it was like October, our last month, and it was yeah. it rained every day. We were in Ireland, it rained every day and the the sun disappeared pretty much permanently from about mid October while we were there. And I was like, This yeah. is what it's like for months here. It's very different. Yeah. So yes, I could yeah. totally see the celebration when spring was coming and the absolute joy that they would feel when there's a bright yeah. sunny day. Whereas here, yeah. you know, I remember that feeling. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> went through the whole thing. Here, like it can be Yule and it can be the brightest, cold but crisp, beautiful, perfectly blue skies. Lots of not very warm, but lots of sunshine, and you can go outside yeah. and it can be absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Cold as hell and sometimes. Green. And yeah. And everything is lush and alive. Yes. And yeah. And it's a it's yeah. it's an odd feeling because it's quieter and almost a sleepiness, but people are still and the earth is still sort of going along and you can really tell. There's not this sort of cover yeah. over the top of like it's sleeping, it's almost dead feeling. It's yeah. like just down there, you know, under this beautiful sunshine, there's green grass. It's it is really yeah. different. It doesn't it it almost doesn't fit yeah. at all sometimes with yeah. some aspects. So that's my wheel, really. It's not very exciting. <laughs> I think it's really it's a very interesting concept. And once you start digging into it, it's it can, it can become really big. Like a well, really big project. How magical is it yeah. that, that echidnas wake up just before the winter solstice? How magical is yeah. that? That's so magical. I love that. So, you, what do you have to say? Because I just talked forever and I'm going to have to cut like half of that. <laughs> I, so, I haven't done a wheel. I would like to do a wheel. I haven't had the energy to do a wheel. And it's a very long process. But I have started working on a structure for rituals for myself. So I w- would like to have a sort of a ritual outline that I could use every time I wanted to have a ritual just on my own. And so um, I have health issues. So sometimes like putting together a whole, a whole like elaborate ritual that I feel I should say on Espats or Sabbaths, sometimes the day comes and I'm like, I'm just not well today so I don't feel I could do that and often it all falls flat on its face so I thought what if I have a ritual outline for something simple but still really meaningful for me that I can do when you know whenever I want to and if I'm well enough I'll make it really elaborate and if I'm not I can just have my notes and have my little setup and just do it so I've started working on that at the moment it's still quite I don't know Wiccan based I suppose because I I found a ritual like a real basic ritual outline for like a Wiccan celebration that I quite liked and I'm going to adapt it basically for me it will still probably revolve around the normal elements of cleansing casting the circle, calling quarters, calling whatever deities I want to work with at that time, etc, etc. So at the moment, until I've worked with it a bit, the, 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 the outline itself will follow like a pretty normal standard process. I have thought about, I'd like to call in the four quarters plus a center spirit kind of quarter and I'd also toying with the idea of having an above and below I suppose sort of ancestor acknowledgement spirit acknowledgement like of other beings in the to 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 welcome acknowledge what's the word I'm looking for like um acknowledge that they're there and and ask permission I suppose to use the space and and just say yep I'm doing this within this space other beings that might be around because I can feel them often so I suppose that's seven directions if that makes sense 
I haven't found, I found like, I suppose, high magic different traditions that have the seven aspects, seven quarters, seven quarters, seven directions. I haven't found something that fits with what I want yet, so I'm still looking into that. Um, have you have you looked at the the? I'm sure you have. The is it the fairy tradition has a seven pointed? Yeah, they do. Not the same. I haven't. I'm not sure if I'll use that. Like, I haven't found something that I really like yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked into it really in depth yet but it's it's mm-hmm. an idea that I would like to incorporate so I suppose mm-hmm. with what I'm doing I'm gonna to have to charge my computer okay now that I have plugged my computer back in I will continue with what I was saying um so yeah I'm so I started with a base like the basic outline following quite a traditional kind of circle casting and and then my plan was to to find some wording for each of the seasons that I liked. Mm-hmm. So tailor each, like do most of the preparation beforehand. So I'd find something that's basically follow sewing um, themes for a basic introduction to the season or some words that I could say when I call in the appropriate deities or even if I didn't want to call in deity to the circle I could just have something for each of the seasons that followed not a rigid structure but had the same kind of feel to it so that I could use that at the time or I could change it if I wanted to and have that set up beforehand so for me this was really about making my life easier so that I could I didn't have to worry about preparation so I could concentrate more on how I was feeling and yes what I was observing and and what was going on in the wider world instead of having to think you know how am I going to structure the the my ritual this time or what am I going to do it's like oh no the ritual is just there you've even got some nice words that you've found go through it just before and go yep okay I I like this I'm feeling this at this point in time so I'm going to go with those or no it's just not working this time like I'm feeling something a bit different this time this sewing or or this Beltane so I'm going to change to change it so the next thing I was going to do was I've got two books that Liz has seen one is um, a book of pagan prayer and the other is a pagan ritual prayer book. Um, and again, the two little ones, they're there. <laughs> and there, we'll put the details in the show notes or Liz will put the details in the show notes for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I really like the way this man talks about like the way he structures his prayers and the categories he's put his prayers into. And so I thought I'd look through those two books because I, I like what he, the way he put puts together what he's done. Um, and a lot of people might not like the term prayer. I didn't until more recently. I had to get away from my monotheistic roots and and become comfortable with a slightly different definition of prayer they're just words invocations that you can use in rituals or or just in your life like a lot of them are really nice and they're not just for big rituals so I'm going to go through those and have a look and find words that I like and that I feel an affinity for now and then when each of the rituals comes up I would make sure they still fit. Um, I don't know. It's not really – I haven't done a lot on, on it as a project yet. I've wanted to for a long time. I think for me, I've also thought about um, – more recently I've gotten more into astrology. So 
I've I've been thinking about even structuring that might wheel of the year celebrations more astrologically, so moon phases and you know which sign that the moon is in at that point and how that fits in with the seasonal variation at that time and having all those elements in my sabbats or possibly just having espats doing espats moon rituals so for each full moon instead of having seasonal celebrations exclusively having a celebration each month for the full moon and whatever's going on at that time like astrologically but also fitting it in with wheel of the year kind of stuff so what season is it how does that fit in with where the moon is in the sky at the moment so yeah I suppose that's really at the moment yes it's a very new project I haven't done much on it but looking it's a into big project yeah and I suppose it's 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 going to evolve slowly I'll find like so I suppose like in a way it's a lot it's that you're going to putting together your own ritual outline for things that you're going to use regularly I mean some people write their rituals from scratch each time and like we've done mm-hmm. that for our groups that we've been in together we've, mm-hmm. we've all you know we've come up to the season it's like okay well we're going to meet what are we going to do how are we going to do it and it's fun when you're in a group but when you when you're by yourself I'm more I I I I also have felt that it would be good to have things that you know and can recite by by rote, like you've learnt it so you know it, so you can just recite it. Because for me, I know some people don't like that because mm-hmm. it just becomes like a process, like there's no meaning to it. But for me, because I'm quite sensitive to things, I think that if I had things that I said that were exactly the same each time, once I got used to it, I could concentrate on how I felt and having the same process to go through each time would put me into like, you know, the ritual headspace as they call it or or would allow me to, yeah, enter into that more meditative state and connect with the energies that I'm trying to connect with through the ritual much more easily. I know for other people, because we've people have said this in our groups it doesn't work that way for them but for, for me I'd like to try it and see how it works for me because I think that is how it would work I'd be able to use it as a tool to help me connect more easily with the energy or I the could, deities um, or whatever I'm doing at that point I could see how like for some people maybe it would feel like it's um you know, like a process, but it, mm. it all comes, you're right, it all comes down to intent and maybe mm-hmm. like if you have the words, you can just flip into that energy so much, tap into it so much quicker. Yeah. And, yeah, so I could see how that could work, yeah. sure. So, I mean, for me, that's yeah. how I think it would work and it definitely mm. might not work for other people. And I could also mm. definitely see how if you were just reciting the same thing over and over, it would be like drained of meaning because you're just repeating Mm. it and it's doesn't mean anything so Mm -hmm. I'm going to try this process I'm going to put together a set of rituals to see if to see if they're sorry she's so cute so I'm going to put together a set of rituals to see if they would work and if that would work for me and I might you know we might be talking about this in like six months and I go that was such a stupid idea it didn't work at all but yeah, all I can do is I'll give it a try and see how it goes. And I'm also, like like we were saying with the wheel, it's not going to be a set in stone thing. You make the wheel or you make your ritual and then it's just done. It's, it's a constantly evolving thing. So yeah. mm-hmm, I suppose, sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm still sort of coming to grips with, like I said, that the, I'm, I'm feeling the moon a bit more now and the moon cycles mm-hmm. and I think and the astrological sign that the moon is in and I'd really like to mush that in with the wheel of the year symbolism and see if I could come up with a something wheel moon symbol wheel I don't know 
but looking Little moon symbol <laughs> yeah like it's a full so it's a full moon and the astrological sign and what part of the wheel of the year we're in mm. and i'd like to somehow put that all together and make that into a recurring kind of celebration i suppose but yeah it's just been a thought and i haven't worked on it any more than that because it's because when I first thought about this I was like oh that would that would change every year it'd be a bit different each year but no like the moon goes through each of the astrological signs on the regular so it's Gemini season now when we're recording this almost and it's always Gemini season at this time of year it's always Taurus and you know that doesn't change um, I've also thought about flipping them around the six months to see how that would affect the energy mm-hmm. if it works that way. I don't think it does. I'm really tired now. Great. Um, just because people no, but people have mm, connected. I get what you're saying. Yeah, people have connected the astrological signs with the seasons that they're in. Like I've read a few people about like a few people's perspective on that and that was really interesting and I did think it worked to flip it around so cancer's the first cardinal water sign the only cardinal water sign but it's the first water sign that comes in and it's the beginning of summer it's the that's here for the summer solstice in the northern hemisphere and it's our winter here so Cancer's about family and and roots and, you know, it's really feminine and, and a bunch of things that I sort of associated maybe with the winter season, like the middle of winter, but also it's, it's the mother. So it doesn't make as much sense for it to be at that Yule, for it to be at the end of the year kind of thing. It makes more sense for it to be at the height of summer when things are really, well, not quite the height of summer, but... Yeah, you know, so it's the summer solstice, so it's the peak season rather than the lowest season. Mm. So it it made sense to flip it around at one point with one one set of observations I was reading about astrological signs, just with that as an example. Mm. And I thought, oh, yeah. So I suppose that involves like getting down my ideas about each of the astrological signs and seeing how that felt and whether moving it around worked when placing the signs in the context of seasons. Or mm-hmm. it might not, but it might not work. It might be better left with, you know, cancer or yule for us. So I haven't, I haven't done the research into that that needs to be done to 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 see which which way fits for me but yeah definitely astrology and putting it with the wheel of the year as it stands in sort of a witchcraft wiccan the standard wheel and seeing how that works for me as well as um then using those elements in a ritual and making the ritual outline based on on that it'll take me a while (laughs) It's that's not yeah. at all a, a small task. So I suppose yeah, I started this and then I was like, Oh, I want to include like astrology in my ritual outline, especially for my SBATs and I'm like, hmm, this is suddenly ginormous. Hmm. Mm. Mm. It's a cool idea though. Yeah. Well it just it's 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 I've I have been thinking about it for a while and I cannot remember where I read about like the seasonal aspect intermingling with the astrology signs. And that's the thing, mm. isn't it? Like even if the full moon, a new moon falls on different days of the the calendar month, yeah, the actual seasonal feel doesn't change. Yes. It's just earlier and later in the season, like yep. it's of that month. Yeah. Like it's not. And so like, you know, it's always the Cancer full moon when it's the Cancer full moon every year, and then mm. the you always the the full moon falls in the opposite sign to the new moon. So if it's Taurus, 
what are we now? So we've just had the Scorpio full mm. moon and it's – are we into Gemini yet? That's how tired I am. I can't think. It's May. Um, so not yet. Not yet. So my 21st-ish, depending yeah, on so we're still in Taurus. So the Scorpio full moon always falls within Taurus. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a Taurus new moon because it's Taurus season and it'll mm-hmm. be a Scorpio full moon and it always falls now. Sometimes you'll have two. So if you've got a blue moon, you'll have often have like a double from what I've mm. observed. And I haven't observed this very long, so if I'm wrong, any astrologers out there, I fully and humbly apologise, especially given how tired <laughs> I am. Um, so... It's always opposite, so it's six months away. So it'll be a, a new moon in Taurus, and then the sign that's six months away from Taurus is Scorpio, and that will always be the so, full moon in that season. A, so, and within that, would you then also include like the autumn season within mm. that as well? Yeah, yeah. So, say we're coming up to, well, it's Yule next. So I would be looking at – I would have looked at doing a Scorpio full moon ritual while acknowledging mm-hmm. that it's autumn and Taurus mm-hmm. season and then mm-hmm. thinking about it being cancer season when we celebrate Yule mm. and how that fits and just having mm-hmm. an acknowledgement even in, in – and if I wanted mm-hmm. to plan a working of some kind, just going, well, it's also, it's it's Yule and there are those seasons, but it's also the Cancerian season. It's Cancer time mm-hmm. of year. So what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Or is the Capricorn, mm-hmm. I don't know, stereotype, the Capricorn traits of the Zodiac, does that fit better with this time of year? Because in the Northern Hemisphere, obviously Yule falls when it's in Capricorn season at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. does that fit better with this time of mm-hmm. year than can like than cancer? So, I suppose it'll take me it'll take me ages, just like your wheel project. Mm. Um, but at least with what I'm looking at, the archetypes aren't the archetypes don't change because I'm not looking mm. at seasons from I'm not looking at the earth seasons from that point of view mm. it's more astrological mm. 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 yeah so it's it's, it's 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 all very interesting how you want to do the work that you want to do within mm. your seasonal celebrations and I think both of us are really like I'd still like to do an observational based land connection to space and place that you're in kind of calendar mm. as well, like wheel of the year. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, my focus has just been. Um, I am really tired. My focus has been taken over by astrology just recently, so I've been thinking a lot about where, where, like, what zodiac mm-hmm. sign the moon is in, and how does that fit in with the season that we're in. And I read a lot of blogs that talk about that, and it hasn't fitted because it's six months out of whack. So, yeah, I have just been thinking about that with writing the ritual outline, like what I could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say. That's really exciting. It's it's we're both looking at our place and our space in, from different angles and trying mm. to create our own celebrations, I suppose. What what are we going to do now that we've done the more traditional Wiccan slash witchcraft wheel celebrations mm. for a while? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still here. It's telling me I'm about to leave the session. Um, oh. Yeah, probably because I haven't moved my mouse for ages. So we're both trying to – we've gone from following a set – more of a set path to creating our own, really. Hmm. All right. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty tired. So 
We should end this. Um, where people can find us. I hope you can remember. They can find us online. They can. On Instagram at witchy.bytes. Mm-hmm. We're also on Facebook as witchy.bytes. Yes, leave us a message. We also have an email address. Yeah. So it's witchy.bytes at outlook.com. Perfect. Um, and, you know, if you do feel like rating us online, please do because um, it'd be really cool if other people can find us. Definitely. Um, and we also, we want to hear what you think. Like, we just keep prattling on and yeah, we just keep talking. people are listening. So, so we, <laughs> it, it is more about fostering interaction as well and getting out there and seeing who, who is doing what. Um, yeah. We really need to do another interview. So if anyone out there wants to do yeah. an interview, let us know. Let us know. Yes, if anyone's out there. We'll be keen. Bored in lockdown because I think a whole bunch of Australia still is. Some people aren't. Yeah, we don't want to know. Some people are being let out. We don't want to know about <laughs> your being let out situation until we're let out. So don't tell us that. <laughs> Not till Just tell us you want to be interviewed. Yeah, tell us you want to be interviewed, or even if you have a recommendation, or you know someone you would like to hear interviewed, mm-hmm. and we can mm-hmm. see what we can do. Put it on a wish list, mm-hmm. even if it's just that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thank yeah. thank you all for listening yeah. to us prattle, especially me because I'm really tired. If you made it this far, and Liz has done an amazing editing job, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.